Welcome to Reform Dads, where all things are from dads, through dads, and to dads. I'm your man, Dusty Marshall. I'm a Christian husband, father, hip-hop artist, and co-founder of Irregular for Christ Ministries, which is a family and ministry dedicated to giving hope and inspiring to choose life. I got my man, Andrew High School T. Songkrant on my right, and Jesse, the obstetrician. Obstetrician? Is that how you say it? The OB. I don't even know what that means. Jesse, the OB on my left. (laughs) The OB. (laughs) What's going on, guys? How you doing? I'm doing good, dude. Excellent. Doing good. How was your week? How was your week? What'd you do with your families? Um, This week, we cleaned up. We painted a room, and we are just getting ready for my mom to come into town. Right on. Yeah. Right on. Mother-in-law coming to stay for a little while now? Uh, My wife's mother-in-law, yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. Oh, your your mom. Yes. Your mom. Okay. That's going to be fun. (laughs) How long is she staying? Uh, About a week. Okay. Yeah, so it'll be a good time. It's always fun. Yeah, it's her first time meeting the uh, new grandbaby. Oh, really? So she's bringing presents and presents galore. Probably, yeah. I would be surprised if she didn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mom, I want my own present. <laughs> right? I know. Like, our, my mom now, when I see her, she's coming to visit the kids, not me. Like, I'm, I almost feel like she's going to palm my face trying to get to the kids. Like, hey, I don't yeah. care about you anymore. <laughs> you like, live with me for long enough. <laughs> hey, Dusty. Hey, I'm hey. Steve Noel. Hey, Dusty, give me a Get <laughs> the stiff arm face. Yep. What about you, man? Yeah, just um, just relaxing. Uh Last week uh, on Wednesday night, we went up to Salt Lake City, and we did, uh, you know, the Mormon General Conference happens there every April and October, so it's every six months. So we went up as a family in October and uh, just did some ministry out there, preaching the gospel to the LDS community. So we just wanted to rest and relax this week, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. You feel like you accomplished that rest? I feel like I accomplished the rest. Okay. Yep. And you uh, did something yet? You went to Pumpkin Patch yesterday with the fam? Or yeah, what? yeah. We went to the Pumpkin Patch yesterday. Marley went on the roller coaster for the first time. First time roller coaster. And that coaster. was like a breakier back roller coaster at a farm. <laughs> really? So it's, it's not like, all like a rickety. Yeah, and I made her sit. A little the, sketch. <laughs> yeah, I made her sit all the way in the back with me because the back is the most intense. Like, so we went down the first drop. The first time she's ever dropped on a roller coaster, she lifted up out of her seat. And then, like, I'm holding her, though. And so she looks up at me like she's about to, like, literally cry. So she doesn't really know how she feels. Mm -hmm. But I'm, like, smiling at her, you know, just giving her some encouragement. And then it turned into her having one of the best times of her life. So That's excellent. Nice. First roller coaster experience. Check. Check. Right on. Done. Right on. Well, um, you know, we're going to get into a section of the show that we like to call... Who is my daddy? And what does he do? Who is your daddy and what does he do? So want to get to know you, you know, our guest this week. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and, and uh, your family. All right. Well, yeah, my name is Jesse. Um, I am a Christian. I work at a bank right now. Um, I have a brand new daughter. She's six weeks old. Um, and then my wife's son, Ezra, uh, also is with us about half the time. Okay. So, um, yeah, um, what I do, I kind of work in compliance type stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, just graduated college recently. So, yeah, that was, that was a long road. I kind of took the scenic route there. (laughs) (laughs) He's Mr. Math, by the way, so it's not like he did something easy. Yeah, it could have made it easier on myself if I had made some different choices, but, you, you know. You weren't studying political science for, that's that, true. for as many years as you were there. Underwater basket weaving was not what I did. <laughs> it was, uh, 
first one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, you know, at work, I like to play soccer. Um, okay. You're on a couple I, of soccer teams. Yep, and I'm stuff. on a couple okay. soccer teams right now. It's kind of my hobby. And uh, other than that, just spend as much time as I can with my wife and kids. It's great. And you're you're in martial arts for a while as well too, right? What what yeah. uh, what art? Um, so I started when I was about 19 doing Kung Fu. I did that for about two years. And then I've done some Krav Maga and a little bit of Jiu Jitsu. Okay. So those are, those are the ones that I've done. It's, they're all very different, but all very fun. Um, you have yeah. a favorite? It's tough to say. Jiu Jitsu, I think is the most practical, but I think okay. I had the most fun with Kung Fu because you learn the weapons, you learn all these different animal forms and it's very uh it's just like in the movies kind of so okay it's really cool so blending all three together you've mastered the art of you touch me i'm gonna kill you <laughs> try not to ever get into altercations but right. you know i feel like i'd i'd hopefully know it what to do and if you know worse came to worse and you couldn't run or something had to defend your family that's yeah that's really the the main goal of it being prepared defense. absolutely yeah, yeah. Being prepared. praise god dude that's good yeah absolutely especially with the week that we've been having uh, outreach wise yeah. you know oh with gosh, our church yes. <laughs> it's insane but yeah can't dodge bullets yet but not working yet. on it right. Catch. yeah yeah i haven't learned the art of catching bullets yet not, <laughs> not exactly no not not quite there yet but one day you know, it's a work in progress hmm. So new baby, um, six months old. Her name is Lemon. Lemon, yes. Yes. Um, yeah, she's a little cutie. She's getting all chubby now. She's uh, putting on some weight, and it's just, I don't know, it's really beautiful just to be there, just to see her grow up a little bit. It's, it's I don't know, it's an indescribable having a kid. And you guys both know this, but yeah, yeah it's, it's really cool having a new baby. Tell us yeah. about that birth story a little bit, because that was an interesting story that you were telling me why I said Jesse the obstetrician uh, oh, de Jong. There is uh, a meaning behind it. <laughs> yeah, so why don't you tell us a little bit about that? All right, well, let's see where to begin. Um, my wife's first child, she was, I think, about five weeks early, so we were expecting her to be a little bit early. And uh, we were at about 37 weeks, and... She apparently had gone into labor or something around like one in the morning. Okay. Um, but she didn't wake me up until six thirty. I usually go to, uh, get up around there to go to work, but she just woke me up and was like, "Hey, uh, you're not going to work today." And then I was like, "What? What? Baby's coming? Baby's coming?" And uh, yeah, so we were in the middle of building a closet. Uh, the night before that, I had put in the bottom shelf, and I was just like, oh, "I'll just do the top one tomorrow." And uh, so we were, we had clothes all over the place, and I think in her mind she kind of wanted a real, like, nice setup for it. Sure, sure. Um, but so I I was like, do you do you want me to finish the closet? And <laughs> You're like, what so, can I do to fill my mind with this time? Build a closet. Yes, right. exactly. Birth and closet building. Yep. Perfect. No, I'm I'm definitely a person too when. I'm in a stressful situation. I kind of detach and busy myself. Yeah. That's how I deal with extreme stress. But it's nothing compared to what she was going through. So, um, yeah, and I, I'm i just sitting there building a closet. I think she was in the tub. I think she was talking to your wife at the time, too. Right. Because yeah. you guys were moving that day. Yes. And, uh, yeah, she... It was, it was everything I could do to not keep running in and be like, are you okay? Are you okay? But yeah. 
Um, that would have really annoyed her anyways. Right. So did the closet get built first, or did the baby come first? That's <laughs> yes. the real question. Yeah, no, I, I finished the closet at oh. about 7.45, <laughs> and by then she was just full-blown labor. The contractions were, you know, 30 seconds apart. and Baby's coming. Yeah, the baby was, was coming. So uh, she was just in our room. Uh, I was kind of hanging up clothes in between her contractions. Perfect. And yeah, because that's definitely what, what you should be doing. Right. right. <laughs> Hanging up clothes. That's that's Hang important clothes thing. during birth. Yeah. 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 I was still in that mindset of we gotta make the room nice, but it was just a complete disaster. But that's funny. Anyhow, um we had called our midwife. She was I think at some kind of retreat, so she wasn't even How convenient. Yeah. I mean I think it surprised us all. She was a little bit early, but uh yeah yeah, so we didn't actually get a hold of our midwife until about an hour after Lemon was born. Perfect. So, yeah, we, you know, I was just trying to throw the clothes up in the closet, make everything nice. But at one point she was just like, stop hanging up clothes. I need you to come help me. <laughs> and now, and now she caught the baby herself. Too, she did. Right? So yeah. she was, she gave birth and she caught the baby herself as yep. well. I literally did nothing. It was, so you uh, hung wow. clothes <laughs> and she had caught the baby and yep. perfect. Yep. She, uh, so you're on daddy duty for the rest of your life. Indeed. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. I think that's, that's how it goes. That's yeah. <laughs> daddy court. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Wow. And, and it was a surprise to you because the whole time, not only were you expecting your midwife to be there, but you were expecting a boy. We were. We, the whole birth. We were. We we had a uh, or, blood sorry, test. Sorry, the whole the, the, the whole, whole time pregnancy. she was pregnancy. Yep. Yeah, the whole absolutely. Pregnancy. Yeah, we we did a blood test. It said you know 100. percent We actually never got an ultrasound. So right. But yeah, when when Lemon was born. I was like, oh my gosh, we have a little boy. And uh, Lauren was like, we should probably check. And we checked, and it was not a boy. It was a girl. Wow. <laughs> so, That's so cool, though, dude. Yeah, it was It was a shock, but it's, awesome. it's amazing, and I love having a daughter. It's really a amazing thing, and she's the cutest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. Praise God. <laughs> mm, that's so awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, so you weren't expecting that. Did, did you get a half-price discount since the, the yeah, midwife wasn't there? I don't think that was in the fine print. That was not <laughs> part of the deal. But right. it So it wasn't like you must be present to collect this money? No, I don't think that's possible in every circumstance. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she. we did get a hold of her, like I said, about an hour after Lemon was born. She came, um, made Lauren a bath helped us with our dishes, you know, they were just yeah. making us all comfortable. We cut the cord. Uh, she helped her birth the placenta. So she needed yeah. to do something. She was Indeed, like, I gotta, yeah. I gotta get in here and do something. Like, yeah. <laughs> your, your house painted or something. Yeah. What can, what can I do to help you? Guys? <laughs> yeah. but, do you want me to finish building the closet? <laughs> yeah. No, she, that closet you finished. <laughs> yeah. she was great though. She, she was a big help to us throughout the whole pregnancy. And, um, yeah, it was, you know, actually it turned out, it was not what we planned. It was not what we were expecting, but it turned out to be a really beautiful time. And I think that was all in God's providence. Yeah. He just made it happen exactly how it was supposed to. Amen, yeah. dude. Yeah, absolutely. That's so awesome, man. It is. And um, so you have Lemon and you have Ezra, who's um, your stepson. Mm -hmm. uh, so tell us uh, a little bit about how you felt during this process did you feel out of control did you like feel uh did you feel like um i don't know like tell us how you were feeling during the process you were just trying to, to be distracted or 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, that's kind of how I deal with stress, but there's always that fear, I think, when you're going through something like that of, you know, what if something goes wrong? What if, you know, she needs an ambulance? What if, you know, there's mm -hmm. something that happens that I can't fix that I don't know how to handle? Right. Um, and I basically, I mean, we had gone to these birthing classes, we had watched multiple videos on it, but that can only prepare you so much. So. Sure. Yeah, there was always those those nagging thoughts in the back of my mind, but whenever that sort of got to be not overwhelming, but whenever that I started to really worry about those things, I just trusted God. You know, that was that was what came out of all of this was that you have to trust God. You can't control everything. There's not there's not a way to even think of all the things that could possibly go wrong. So right, sure. you just have to trust God and you know, his will will be done. And that's, I think, where we can rest, especially as Christians, you know, you can rest in that. Yeah, I think kind of what you're highlighting is the fact that a lot of people like to say Murphy's Law, you know, yeah. what can go wrong will go wrong. Yep. But the truth is that's not the case because God is sovereign. Absolutely. And I think that's exactly what you just expressed right there. Yeah, total, absolutely. Total contradiction of Murphy, Murphy's Law. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Love because, it. I mean, even Murphy's Law is in God's hands. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> God's Law. God's Murphy's. Law. Yep. Amen. <laughs> so that brings us to a section right now of the show where I want to call Best and Worst. I would like to hear um, first about your best moment as a dad and then your worst moment as a dad. So why don't you tell us about your best moment? Okay. Um, I think best moment is when you're at church and you see your little one praising God, like raising their hand for the doxology, just worshiping God. Um, that's the most rewarding thing you can think of when, when they do something sweet like that. When they're, you know, they'll come up and hug you and say, I love you. They'll, you know, whatever, whatever, whenever you're in a situation like that, where they're just really expressing that, that love it, that you can't find anywhere else in the world. And you've planted like seeds being planted, right? From, yeah. So seeds being planted that you've done these things with your family and you've tried to plant seeds with your children and raise them up in the way that they should go and then to see the fruit of that, right? Absolutely. See the, the fruit of them repeating the doxology themselves, yep. right? However um, little, it's clicking in some way and yeah, amen, it's dude. the foundations. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What about what about your worst moment as a dad? I think the worst moment is <clears throat> when your kids are sick and you feel completely helpless to um, yeah, to do anything to, to help them. Yeah. Um, Lemon, actually, when she was 10 days old, we had to take her to the ER. She had a really bad fever. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, we took her into the ER. They had to give her a spinal tap. They were doing all these tests. They had to hook her up to a little IV. And it was it was just terrible to be there to see her like that and to know, like, there's nothing we can do. When we were doing the spinal tap, they took us into another room, but we could still hear her screaming and oh. it was yeah that was the worst and at 10 days old it was just like ah, it was awful but yeah so that was the worst i think man and it, it just shows you how out of control you are right based on your circumstances like for me with my children and health issues um i'm like you know how do i fix this problem or how do i work hard enough to, to do something correctly or figure out what the diagnosis is so we can fix that. But a lot of the times it's just like, 
God is in control. I can't do anything. And it's a good reminder of that, right? It's a good reminder that we're not in control, um, that we have to trust God. Now, we don't make dumb decisions to just say, God, it's all in your hands. I'm not going to do anything. We still need to be diligent. But the idea is that essentially God is in control. I need to trust him in this circumstance. I can't do anything. So God, this is, this is yours. And, you know, for me, initially, it's always like an initial anxiety and worry. And then I go back to my scripture and trusting God and that he's in control and all things are working for good. And then I have moments of, but wait a minute. Right. And then like kind of rebalancing yeah. always, you know? I, yeah. I think in a way that, you know, we are supposed to be heads of our household, but we're supposed to stay under the submission to God. Sure. Right. But a lot of times as men, we'll almost um, overshoot our authority sometimes and we'll forget that God is really who he, who he says he is. And um, I think God has moments where he has to throw us back in line and say, look, you may be the heads of your household, but you're not the head of over your life. So right. us in right relationship to God, when those moments happen in order to show our family being in good submission to the Lord, we have to, you know, get on our knees and pray. And our family needs to see us do that. Yeah. In order to say and show our family that, yes, we are the heads of our household, but look who's really in charge in yeah. these moments. It's God. And there's a peace in that, right, that, that the non-believer, the unbeliever would ha- would ha- wouldn't have. We have peace in knowing that God is in control of all things. And when things seem so out of control, we can rest on that promise and we can find peace in that. Yep. On the other hand, if you're a, for the unbeliever, it's like, well, things just happen and I am hopeless in this situation. There's no purpose right. for what I'm going through. It's just stuff that happens. But for the believer, it's like there's purpose in every struggle, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And our hope is not in our circumstances. Our right. hope is in our right standing before our creator. Mm-hmm. And you can't take that from us. So we can have peace in these stressful situations. And it may seem you know, to the outside world like, oh, you guys just pretend to have peace but I can tell you as a dad who's gone through like life-threatening issues with my daughter yeah I've I find peace in in knowing that God is in control and I might cut rope that back in and try to take control again in thought right but but really it's like I can find peace in trusting God in that circumstance yeah absolutely it's beautiful it's sanctification You know what I mean? Like, not only is he sanctifying you in those moments, but he's also using you to help sanctify your wife and your children. Because like you said, there's purpose in suffering. I could only imagine being an unbeliever and trying to create my own arbitrary purpose to everything in life. And I'm nothing but just matter in motion. Right. You know, that's stressful to try to have to put all of that on your shoulders. Yeah, I guess what the idea in that sense would be, if it doesn't kill me, it makes me stronger. What's stronger for what, though? Yeah. You know. So we've come to a section in our show we like to call the Rapid Five, where I'm going to ask you five questions, random. It's supposed to be fun. Andrew's going to get five questions. Both of, These are for both of you guys. Oh, gosh. And uh, just, uh, you know, give us whatever comes to your mind, okay? All right. So the first question. John Piper or John MacArthur? <laughs> John Piper. Absolutely. John Andrew? Piper, for sure. He's super, super uh, 
passionate. I love his passion, man. Not to cast shade on MacArthur. He's amazing, too. But he is, yeah. John Piper is just, yeah. I don't know. John Piper! Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Second question. Child baptism or biblical baptism? <laughs> well, that's an easy one. <laughs> we'll go with biblical. <laughs> All right. Yeah, uh, we're 1689 London's Baptist, Confe- Baptist Confessional, so we're going to go with uh, Amen. biblical baptism. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, question three. You're making a feature film, and you have to choose one famous actor for your leading role. Mm. Who would it be? Hmm. Oh, man. You got to think, who would I want to work with for an extended period of time? <laughs> That's a good <laughs> way to think about it. Yeah. Maybe Kevin Costner. Oh. I think uh, he's in many of these movies that I really like, which may not be I love Waterworld. critically acclaimed. Yeah. Dances Waterworld. with Wolves. Yep. <laughs> Dances with Wolves. Yeah. Oh, tin he's, Cup. Yep. Tin Cup's yeah, a classic. No, he's, he's fantastic. Yeah. So, Kevin Costner. Wow. Okay. So, Andrew? Yeah, the first one that came to my mind was Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, okay. I don't know why, really, because I don't like him that much, but I'll just go with it. It, it went in my head, my mind, and I just started thinking of Sling Blade. Sling Blade. He was Blade. amazing in Fargo, too. Did oh, see? yes. Yeah, yes. That was, that was, yeah he's, he was good. He's good, man. So I'll, I'll go with Billy Bob Thornton, just because just that's the first thing that I, I hear you got some good to eat. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorites. All right, number four. What one book besides the Bible has impacted you the most? Hmm. Okay. I think that would be the Gulag Archipelago by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. It's uh, it's this book about that he wrote after being in the Gulags for, I don't know, it was like 10 or 15 years or something ridiculous like that. Tell us what the Gulags are. That was in uh, Soviet Russia. They... The thing about communism is that whereas with capitalism you have millions of people, all their inputs go into the economy to make the best decisions. In communism, you got a small panel making millions of economic decisions for everybody else. So inevitably, that's where it fails. So in that, um, and and the party is sacrosanct. It's the, the party is God. The party takes the place of God. Right. Okay. So anybody who disparages the party, anybody who says anything bad about the party, they have to be dealt with. Okay. And so the gulag is where these people, there were labor camps, there were forced labor camps. And I mean, if you want to see some horror stories, just look up, you know, that on the internet. It's horrific. It's really... Hashtag socialism. Yes, indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Which, this is a side note, but it's scary to see how many people actually back socialism nowadays who just don't have the first clue about what it leads to. I mean, you can look at Venezuela right now where they're eating dogs and cats. You know, people are, there's mass starvation, civil unrest. That's the fruits of socialism. Yeah. It's, you know, it's theft at the heart of it. Mm Mm-hmm. I heard one story where um, it was cheaper in Venezuela to electricity was really cheap because it was uh, um, you know government uh, put, would put a price ceiling on it. Oh, so benefits could, of socialism: cheap, cheap electricity. Okay, well, yeah. But on the other side, so what was happening was people were mining bitcoins because it was profitable uh, because electricity is so cheap. 
So then the government makes that illegal because they were doing that to gain some kind of economic upper hand. Mm. And the police confiscated the Bitcoin miners and started mining the Bitcoins themselves. Oh Perfect. my goodness. So, yeah, Perfect. it's another just example of, it's mm. it's terrible. It's um, But anyway, getting back yeah. to it, they um, the gulags, these forced labor camps, so he spent a long time in there getting tortured, seeing people killed left and right. Um, and then afterward, he wrote the book from memory, and it's huge. It's like 1,500 pages or something ridiculous like that. It's a really thick book, but it's it definitely impacted me. I, I think before I was saved, I used to think socialism was a good idea. Didn't know the first thing about it, but I think that should be required reading for everybody wow. in this country. For everybody, period. So we don't repeat history. Indeed, yeah. It's definitely not a Christian book, but it shows you what unchecked human depravity leads to. Wow. So, absolutely. Yeah, because under, under communism, the idea is that people are inherently good. Absolutely, yeah. Right. right. Yeah, it's from each according to his ability to each according to their need. And what that means is, you know, the deciders decide that. And some people are more equal than others, if you've ever read Orwell and Animal Farm. You know? um, right. So, yeah. That's heavy, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was not exactly a rapid response. What's your <laughs> answer now, Andrew? Yeah. That's not a much to follow up on. Right, yeah. So I'd say Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul was really good. Just because it kind of made me cry at one point. And it's kind of like a cop-out, I guess, answer, because it's pretty much just talking about the Bible. Sure. But um, there was that moment when Isaiah, you know, um, has the vision where he sees the glory of the Lord. Hmm. And he falls to his knees and... He pretty much says, woe is me. He's like looking down. And the way that's described by R.C. Sproul, like literally brought me into tears because mm-hmm. it was just so amazing that even, even the fact of like an atonement was in that, in that vision, like Isaiah and like the most wicked part of his mouth, the wicked part of most wicked part of him, like his mouth, the Lord, you know, had it, had it burned. You know what I mean? There's like a pain there and all, all of this stuff that R.C. Sproul goes into, I can't even mm. begin to get into it, but I was like, mm. whoa, this is beautiful. And even the, even the seraphim hide their face and their feet from the glory of the Lord. But what's cool about the Bible and with Jesus is because of his uh, sacrifice, it's his righteousness that we wear. So in the benediction, like may the Lord make his face to shine upon you. Mm. And, um, Jesus even says that we will see the face of God. Like we have the ability, not by ourselves and our sinful nature, but because okay. it's God's righteousness that we hold when we stand before him, that we'll actually be able to hold, behold God in all of his glory. And awesome. the angels don't even have that, mm. but we will one day because of Jesus. And it's pretty beautiful. It's an amazing thought. <laughs> yeah. It's an amazing thought to think about, dude. Wow. All right. And the final question, you're stuck on a desert Island and can take one apostle theologian or pastor dead or alive who would it be Hmm. Hmm. interesting i would probably go with greg bonson because i i think you could spend an entire lifetime and not exhaust the knowledge that that man had Mm. um yeah so I'd, i'd go with bonson wouldn't have want to have a disagreement though, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're always wrong, and this is why. <laughs> that's awesome. I'd be a good apologist after that desert island. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, that's good. I don't know. For some reason, I don't know why this even popped in my head, but uh, Stephen Anderson. I'll bring him to the island oh. because hopefully we could have long discussions about God and His grace, and maybe one day he could come to 
to know Jesus. One of you would be dead. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah, he's he's pretty smart too, so he might try to trick me into some things. But <laughs> I think it would be a really. Uh, so your hopes is you would evangelize him. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why that popped in my head. I don't even know if I can. Turn the tables there. It's, yeah. it's recorded. Like we can't go back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Steven Anderson, Desert yeah. Island. Andrew, let's set that up. 2020. Yeah. Mm, it sounds horrible. It sounds horrible now I think about it. <laughs> Makes for a good reality show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be a good survivor, like theologians on different sides who like totally disagree with each other. Right. So you have all these like... Uh, things that they need to do competitions but then you also have them always like debating back and forth right that would be interesting i'm like well i'm supposed to take dominion right now all authority on heaven and earth has been given to christ and now therefore go i'm gonna start building some things i'm gonna start doing some things i'm gonna act like jesus is king on that desert island so survivor season yeah (laughs) survivor survivor season 30 arminians verse calvinists yeah coming 2020 (laughs) I like it. (laughs) All right, so we've come to the discussion segment of our show, and I wanted to speak on something that I know is very near and dear to my heart. I know Andrew and I have this discussion. We talk about this all the time. Mm -hmm. The idea uh, is the emasculating of men in in our culture, in the American culture specifically. And uh, I love this topic because uh, I'm a big movie buff. You know, I, I enjoy movies and, you know... For me, movies kind of give us, like, the art temperature of our culture. Amen. Uh, you know, the, I, at least I, I, you can see what's popular in a culture if you pay attention to media, movies. Yeah. You know, you can see what the common themes are. Yeah. Um, but also, you just, you know, if you go outside and turn on the TV, whatever, you can see that our culture uh, is looking to emasculate men mm-hmm. um, take them out of the head of the household role uh, replace that with woman um, and that is not the way that God intended it and just speaking on the things the the things that come with that you know the the um, judgment that comes with that the consequences that come with that because that is directly against how God intended it mm. so what are your guys thoughts on on that in our culture Light topic there, but uh. <laughs> yeah, we, we like to touch just the surfacey topics yeah. on, this, on the show. Um, I don't know. I think uh, it just goes back generations. I remember watching um, you know sitcoms with my parents when I was a kid. Everybody loves Raymond, and here's like the idiot guy, and the wife goes around and fixes everything, and the mother-in-law is like the archduke of the world, and I don't know. It's just. That dynamic in media has been present for decades, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, when you have a monster with multiple heads, it's going to go in different directions. It's not going to be, it's going to be completely disoriented and chaotic. That's a hydra. It's not, Ooh, you know, it's, her. yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. You see it in these shows the man is the gullible idiot. The The husband is the gullible idiot, right? The wife is the smart one who has it all kept together. Yeah. Um, the children don't respect the dad and his authority. You know, he's he's no longer 
the say all. He's not the the punishing. Uh, disciplining father to his children. His children rebel against him. They tell him what they're going to do, what they've decided. The wife has power over her husband because she has the key to his sex, Mm. right? She has the key to what he, all he desires, which is sex. Yeah. And if he doesn't file suit to what she wants, he's not getting any. He's not getting any. <laughs> On the other side of it, if he does, if he does file suit in, in what she's, she wants him to do, then you get sex. So the gullible husband falls in line based on his sexual desires, and he's not smart. He's not uh, the leader of his household. He's not the disciplining role. He doesn't have the final word. I mean, look in the majority of our shows and movies now, um, and you'll see the temperature of our culture. Right. Uh, masculinity, being a masculine, having a final word, is seen as something that is toxic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's toxic. It's offensive to be uh, manly. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Man? Yeah, I, I think... I, I, I want to think why. Why is it happening? And one of the reasons that I am thinking of right now is the fact that as Christian men, we believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. Therefore, it gives us a standard to live by. And if we're living by God's word, we have God's laws and we have God revealing to us as an objective standard above ourselves on how we're supposed to live our lives. So the way our culture has typically been Prior to, I would say, um, after the Cold War, uh, prior to that, it was founded upon biblical principles and people lived that way. So when we're having a flip-flop of it, we're having people reject truth and try to insert something else into it. So some very wise people have said that, yeah, the Cold War ended, but the winner was not necessarily one who didn't get nuked, right? So now, look, I would love to hear your opinion on this too. Uh, Now we have socialist people that are inside our institutions. So why have a flip-flop of um, worldviews here from men being heads of their household to now women? So the viewpoint would be that we have oppressed the oppressed people and the oppressors, Mm -hmm. right? So like in Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto, there's the proletariat was supposed to, you know, gain class consciousness in order to overthrow the bourgeoisie. And the bourgeoisie was like the elite. And um, we have that happening in our society throughout time within the last 30 or 40 years, mainly starting at our college institutions in order to create this... um, these are these are this oppressed group of people to get this consciousness, this realization that wow, look, I can be doing this, I can be doing that, I need to be equal with men, in a sense. And over time, we see a degeneration of actual truth and values from an objective standard called the Word of God, and it brings our culture to where it's at today. So yeah. now, so now, women are the oppressed, men are the oppressor. They're right. the minority. Right. Men are the majority. Right. Now, I would say that there are cases where that happens, mm-hmm. where, where that is absolutely true, where, um, you know, women not being able to vote, for instance, or, right. or things like that. However, where it's not true uh, is that men and women were created for different things, right? We're, we're different. We're not the same. By our stature, uh, we should be, you know, we are equal in God's eyes, right? None of us are better than the other person. Men aren't better than women. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is 
that to be in submission to your husband doesn't mean that you don't have equal, that you're lesser in your value, no. right? Because think about this. We are in submission to our creator. And that is not, that is not uh, to say that we're, well, we are weak, but that's not saying, it's not a bad thing to be in submission to your creator. Yeah. As a wife, it's not a bad thing to be in submission to your husband because that's what God has instituted it to be. Mm-hmm. It's not bad for children to be in submission to their parents <laughs> because that's how God has instituted it. Yeah. But our culture has made it that way, right? Mm-hmm. Our culture has made the housewife lesser than the working woman. Right. Right? Our culture has made it that way. Our culture has made the man who has the final word, who speaks boldly and disciplines his children as the the uh, evil dictator. Right. right. Right? That's what our culture has made it. Um, so the va- it's like a value system. It's like if you're a mom that takes care of her children, that stays at home, which is the hardest job you could have <laughs> yeah, in absolutely. the world. Personally, I think, I mean, if you have many kids, I don't know many jobs that are more difficult than being uh, a stay-at-home mom. Right. But that job is weak. The working mom who sends her children to daycare to be raised by the state or the or the government, that's strong. Right. right. I, I think that's a great point, dude. Number one is the fact to attack what the women do at home so that... They go to work, and then you send your kids to state schools when the state should never be schooling children in the first place in order to create what? To create the type of person they want to put out to this political uh, agenda, with with a political agenda, you know? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, to the term itself, toxic masculinity, what, I mean, what even is that? Is that guys <laughs> who, like, beat their wives, or do they not let them vote like what is what, what is this toxic masculinity where like what is an example of it even yeah i mean it's it's a it's kind of like a general term i mean i'm sure there's a specific definition to it but it can almost be used by the person as a um not a objective standard but like a, their perspective from yeah. their perspective what he's doing is is Toxic, right? That's toxic masculinity in action. Here's toxic masculinity in action. A male holding up a sign at the abortion mill saying babies are murdered here. To them, that's toxic masculinity. Because what they would say is, well, what would you even, you shouldn't say anything about a woman's body. Right. You know what I mean? Because as a man, you can't objectively say what's right and wrong unless you're a woman in that case, which doesn't make any sense. Right. So we have people now, like women, in a sense, if they don't want to live the way that God created them to be, they don't even know who they are. And when they don't know who they are, that's when chaos Come, that's where chaos comes from. There's yeah. order in the world. There's order in the way that God created males and females, like you stated. There's purposes. There's dignity and worth. They're equal in the eyes of God for us to achieve our distinct purposes. But when they want, when, when that wants to be subverted, that's when we have the slaughter of innocent babies in the womb. You know, that's when we have a society now that is teaching children 
horrible things in the school system saying that gender is fluid. Right. Teaching them these concepts at five to six years old. Right. So, so here's the thing. Like, even with the children, like you said, a, a, a dad being over their children. Well, actually, what they're trying to do now is actually make children on the same level as their parents by letting them right. try to have their own gender assignment sex surgeries at the age of six. Right. Dude, my five-year-old's five years old. Right. Like, what in the world? They wouldn't know what, what, a thing what they're doing with their bodies. Yeah. Like, there's, th- we, we're, we're equal in the, in the terms that we're all sinners that stand before a holy God, unjustified unless we humbly, you know, accept the sacrifice of Christ on our behalf. Right. Like, yeah. We're equal in that way. We're not equal in any other way but the fact that we all deserve death. Right. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And you yeah. see that in our shows, you see that in TV and movies, like that's something so undeniable. The child, the rebellious child who's always talking back to their parents, who's always the high school, the high school kid who's always telling his dad how dumb he is and how he just doesn't know anything and he doesn't know what what I'm going through and don't tell me what to do, dad, or like shut the door of my room, dad, yeah. like what? <laughs> like, okay, if you want to infuse rebelliousness in our culture and make that okay, well then, yeah, put put those shows out. But really, it's like, man, we're supposed to raise up our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. We're supposed yep. to, it, it says in the Bible, if you don't love your children, you won't discipline them, right? It, That's right. To love your children is to discipline them. Yes, absolutely. That's love for your children. Not to just let them choose whatever they should do and whatever, not to be liked by your children. I'm not my children's friend, right? I'm my children's father. That's intimate, but at the end of the day, I'm their dad. Yeah. I'm not their friend. I'm not looking for their approval. And it seems like in our culture, we're looking for our children's approval in you know, media, right? Mm. The same thing with, you know, husband and wife. As men, we're looking for approval from our wives so we can have sex with them. So we're going to make decisions so that we don't have to have arguments so that we can sleep with them. <laughs> you know, it's just, um, I, I'm watching this, sh- I was watching this show. It's a remake of, uh, uh, what's the show? Lethal Weapon. Oh. Uh, and, the, one of the main characters is Damon Waynes, and it's the same thing in his family. The wife, his wife is a lawyer. Uh, he's a cop, and his kids are, are teenagers, and his kids just are constantly, like, slamming the, the door on his face, and, and his wife's telling him, like, oh, just let him have some time alone or just leave him alone. Don't let them do their thing. And he's constantly submitting to his wife um, because he wants to sleep with his wife. You know, and and um, mm. dad is just looked at as the the working figure in the household, and not the head. You know, and that creates all kinds of problems in that family. The children aren't disciplined the way that they're supposed to, um, and they're they're running rapid. So, do you have any thoughts, Jesse, on on this in our culture? Or were you was it you who was telling me about the artwork study of uh, a? a, a was it a transgender who did the artwork study of a culture? Was that you who told me about that? No? I don't think so, no. No, okay. No. I might be confused. I'd like that to then. hear about that, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds yeah. interesting. <laughs> I, I forget who was telling me about it, but um, they, they pretty much, I'm paraphrasing, but they were telling me that there was a study done of the artwork uh, in the Roman Empire 
from when the Roman Empire was... Oh, you know, that was me. That I, was you. Yes, you're okay. right. Yeah, and it was taken from a talk that I listened to by Camille Paglia, who is a very interesting character. Um, but she was basically saying that in her study of um, cultures and the decline of cultures, that um, the one of the signs of that is that there's a real resurgence of... Um, you know, effeminate masculinity and like emasculation of, of true masculine characters and sort of an exaltation of transgenderism. So I just based on that alone, I would not be at all surprised if our culture is in its death throes. Right. And what will happen is you get taken over by the barbarians. So sure. where that's going to come from, who knows, you know, it could be radical Islam, it could be, um, you know, China. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like who knows where it is, but the barbarians will be at our gates and we're not going to be able to defend ourselves. And, and the study was essentially, she, there was a study of art right. and they were showing these masculine figures at the beginning of like the, or at the rise of the Roman empire. Right. And then Hercules at the end of and, it, mm-hmm. and then yeah. at the end of it, uh, there was like a feminine art of men. Men were seen as in a feminine role. Yeah, exactly. Just the kind of the overall caricature of of the subjects were more feminine men, essentially. Hmm. Yeah, that was a really interesting talk. I definitely recommend um, listening to that. Her name's Camille Paglia. Um, yeah, very interesting. But I don't know. One thing I do have a thought on this is that. While all this is going around, whose fault is it? I think it's our fault as men for allowing that to take place, for, you know, for kind of sitting by and doing nothing while the tide of culture washes over us. Yeah. Right. And as Christian men, we should be fighting against that. We should be Amen. standing up for what God has outlined for us. Absolutely. I agree, dude. Absolutely. 110%. Yeah. That's, we must lead biblically. That's, that's our... That should be our goal in our households, to lead our family biblically, to be the salt, salt and the light, and light. <laughs> of the <Amen>. earth, <laughs> and also lead our family in the same way. Lead by example and by our words, right? Yeah. Live it out and speak it. Raise up our children the way that they should go. Um, you know, not to say that we should be tyrants in our household, no, absolutely not. but at the same time, we should have the final word. We would have the final say. Um, and, but we also need to be loving and cherishing our wives, uh, as the Bible talks about mm-hmm. as Christ died on the, you know, we should, um, submit or not submit, but we should, um, love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave yes. himself up for, which is a sacrificial giving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we give of ourselves. So it is sanctifying because we can't just be selfish, right? right. We can't be selfish. That's not a godly man. Mm-hmm. A godly man is not Mott is not merely, we're doing it this way because this is what I like and how it should be. It's more so, what's the best thing for our family? What's the best thing as a whole? That's how we would make our decisions, not, you know, what's the easiest thing for me? Right. Right. You know? Yeah. So, like, Christians are supposed to be the salt and the light because it's not my opinion that I'm throwing into the world. It's actually God's standard of truth. So what we see in Genesis 3 is the curses, right? So 
Eve gets the curse, and one of the curse is that you you want to rule over your husband, sure. essentially. Mm-hmm. So what we have when we don't have truth being portrayed into society, we fall to our most natural form of our curse, right? So then we have women wanting to rule, and, you know, it's just a necessary outcome of actually denying truth in society. And if we go into Deuteronomy, where it talks about the land spitting people out, mm-hmm. there are certain things that are abomination in the eyes of the Lord, we have homosexuality, we have child sacrifice and divination. Those are three, just for example. And what do we have in our society today? We have the progressive acceptance of homosexuality, which is not a natural thing in God's ordered world. Right. And we actually also have child sacrifice in the form of um, Planned Parenthood and other organizations that slaughter babies in the womb. Sure. And we have divination and sorcery through all these mm. new age and accepted practices that actually redefine who Christ is. What sure. are being actually accepted in our society? So like what Jesse said, the barbarians are coming. Well, of course they, they are if we're not the salt and the light, right? Right. That the, God tells us the land is going to spit you out. It's going to vomit you from the land. And whether we have acts of famine, earthquakes, fires, or God using other nations to judge us by the sword, by the sword. What we need to do as Christians is we need to believe what Jesus Christ says is that he's King. He has authority over all of it. So we need to preach the gospel and believe that it has the power that it actually has because that's what it has. So for so long, we've been falling accustomed to being silent as a church in our nation. We can see what's happening from that. But the flip side for what happens to the Christian is, is that we don't suffer under God's wrath. We suffer under his loving discipline. Right, right. Whereas the nation who doesn't have God mm. suffers under the wrath of God. We are disciplined. And sometimes his discipline is a woman in a, in a leading role. Yes. That's a judgment yes. in the Bible, right? Yeah, yeah. Woman being, being a leader, yep. uh, leading a nation, that is actually a judgment in yep. the Bible. So what it comes down to is the denial of God's order and his truth. So when we don't lead biblically as men, when we are not biblically leading our households, when we're not uh, speaking into the culture, we're not presenting an example of how a husband and a father should be, we're not preaching the gospel, There, we're denying God's truth, right? What does the Bible say in Romans 1 about denying God's truth, that we will trade his truth in for a lie, that we will worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. We will worship ourselves. We'll Mm -hmm. put ourselves in God's place. And that has consequences because then God hands us over. We deny truth. He hands us over to our sinful desires because we're not trusting what he says. We're trusting what we want not what he says, but we want. Our feelings are determining truth rather than his word. And what are the consequences? Murderers, idolaters, fornicators, disobedient to parents. That we not only do these things, but we give hearty approval to others who do the same. Yep. So when we aren't leaving, leading biblically as men, our households, and in culture, we are saying that it's okay to, not, to deny the truth of God's word. And man, we're, we're giving in to culture's feelings rather than standing on the truth of God. Wow. Yeah, man. It's, that's the truth, dude. It says he hands us over to a debased mind. And the truth is a debased mind is any mind in the fallen state. You know, yeah. that's what it is, man. And he says that the braiding of your body is where men will lie with men and women will yep. lie with women. And that's what we see. 
So something huge kind of for me and in my marriage is that um, my wife read a book by Nancy Wilson called The Fruit of Her Hands. Yeah. And uh, for anybody, (laughs) for any husband, uh, I recommend like getting this book in circulation in your family. It's a good one. It's a good one to change the perspective on roles in the household. Mm -hmm. Um, It was huge for my family. So what is it? Nancy Wilson, The Fruit of Her Hands. I recommend it yeah. uh, for any household, for any husband and wife couple to help put things in perspective. It's been huge in my family. Yeah, it's like when it's like when we're rightly doing our roles that God gave us as husbands and wives. It's a form of worship hmm. because we're worshiping God according to His standard and how He created us. So uh, that that book is amazing. The fruit of our hands is good. I like it. Yeah. Any thoughts by you, Jesse, on this? Um, yeah, I mean, just going back to what you were saying earlier, the, the thing we have to do is that servant leadership, you know, Christ washed the feet of his disciples and that's Mm -hmm. really what's got to be at the core of what we do. You know, we can't, like you said, be tyrants. We have to be servants, but also lead, which is a non-dichotomy, but really it it makes sense in the end because, you know. It's God's way, so. Because, yeah, we're supposed to be in submission to God first. Right. Absolutely. And there is a such thing as leading incorrectly or being abusive or being overly controlling, right? Or, um, so there is that. Uh, However, God put us in positions and regardless of of what is going on, those roles were instituted by him, right? So obviously a woman shouldn't stay in an abusive situation. That's not what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. But what I am saying is by God's natural order, the man was meant to be the leader of the household. And in Ephesians, we see three examples of submission. We see submission before God. We see our wives' submission before their husbands. Mm Uh, and, and like I said, our submission to Christ, mm-hmm. uh, our wives' submission uh, to their husbands, slaves' submission to their masters, mm-hmm. and then fourthly, I know I said three, but fourthly, um, children to their parents, right? So we don't see a natural order of equal submission. We see uh, a progression of submissions, husbands to, or husbands to Christ's authority, women to their husband's authority, children to their father's and mother's authority, slaves to their masters. So the idea there is that there is a natural order created. One doesn't make one better than the other. In fact, as a man, you are responsible for what happens in your household. So that's a huge responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. God holds us accountable for what happens in our household. Yes, that's good, bro. I feel like what you're saying right now is that Toxic masculinity is bad, right? Here's here's the thing. Hear me out. Biblical masculinity is fruitful. Absolutely. What, what we have in our society is a redefinition of the term masculinity. What we have is a society that has masculinity in the hands of fallen men who are not submissive to God. Right. That is toxic. I'll agree. Yes. But... To even understand what masculinity is, you actually have to not go to the redefined term. You have to go to the objective standard of what God calls masculinity. Right. And that's 
that's fruitful. That's good for our nation. So if we want toxic masculinity, if we want femininity, let's see what's fruitful for our culture. Are we multiplying? Are we dissolving and killing our own? Are we we eating our young? Yeah. You know, right? That that shows you what being fruitful is. Sixty right. million babies deep. I think worldwide it's one point four billion. Yeah. And what's our world population? Six billion. We've killed seven, almost six or seven. Yeah. We've killed almost one sixth or one seventh of our entire population within the last seventy or eighty years. I mean, <laughs> it's an unthinkably large number. Our brains don't know what a billion is. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It would take me how long to count to a billion. How long um, do you think? You're math, man. Yeah. Uh, how fast do you count? <laughs> One, Mississippi. Two, Mississippi. Three, Mississippi. Yeah, you're not going to live that long. Yeah. The answer <laughs> is a long time. But yes. that's, and that's how many children deep we are. We, we wouldn't, I wouldn't even live as long enough to count that. Right. Yeah. It's happening right now. And, you know, I would say that the result or one of the causes of that is men not leading the way that they're supposed to, being cowards and not raising the children that they've been given by God. So they're cowardice. Men are very much responsible for being cowards and not leading, protecting their wives, uh, their children, and raising up the child that they've been gifted by God. Instead, they're handing them over to their own desires because they want to escape that problem. It very much comes down to a lot of men leading their household. Mm-hmm. And being men. It's yeah, true. Absolutely. All right, so we've had a good discussion. Great discussion, dude. We're yes. going to have some fun now. We're coming to a section in our show that we like to call the Wheel, wheel of Groom. So I'm going to pull out this wheel, and uh, let me just set the, set the scenario up first. We're going to have somewhat of a competition, and uh, the winner gets... If you win, Jesse, you get to take home this mug... If you lose, you have to do the jelly beans of death. <laughs> and if you win, Andrew has to do the three jelly beans of death. There we go. I like that. All right, all right. Yeah. All right, let me, get this, let me get this wheel out. I can drink some, I can eat some vomit beans. <laughs> okay with that. Garbage water beans. Garbage water beans. <laughs> let me try this again. All right, make sure we got it all set. What are these topics here, Dusty? What are these? So what we got here is we have four different games. We have Chow Crown, Speak It Out, Handemonium, Truth or Dare. So you are the guest, so you go ahead and give it the spin. Speak Out. All right. What is Speak Out? I've never heard of this. Speak Out is speak out this oh, game yes speak out with the mouth guards <laughs> yes dude this is gonna be so good we're gonna put I, in these yeah. mouth guards do it, and bro. you're going to try oh. and guess what oh. the other person is saying <laughs> yes <laughs> andrew i'm gonna let you lead this since you have experience in this all right i can't believe i didn't know what it was and i used to own this game <laughs> you're the first person I've i played seen this, this. Game with. <laughs> I, I need some chapstick or i'm gonna be shredded right now are these clean dusty <laughs> they're brand new all right, guys, so this is the mouthpiece. It's going to go inside my mouth, <laughs> and um, it's going to be great. So do you want me to be the first person to talk? Yeah, let's do that. All right. Let's do that. So how many are we going to try and do? Is it, let's do three? Three each? Yeah. Okay. I forgot which, what card is what. Let's see. Oh, I just say this, and you got to say what. 
He's got to say the phrase I'm saying, right? Yes. Okay. Close your eyes while I, sh- while I shuffle this deck. All right. So I guess the win is going to be the person who can get guess what the other person is saying the most times. Now, is there a time limit? Um... Yeah, let's do like a 30-second time limit. 30-second time limit? 30-second time limit, guys. All right, you're good. All right. You ready, Jesse? I, I think so. Let's do this. Okay, here we go. Witty Lawrence, right, Ryan. <laughs> Witty Lawrence, right, Ryan. <laughs> Can't you hear me? Witty worms right rhymes. <laughs> Witty worms right rhymes? Yes! Really? That's yes! Uh, one dude, point for Jesse. Now, are you counting the 30 in your head, dude? I am. Right. I am. I'm, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let me, let me pull up the 30 second phrase. timer. <laughs> oh, man. Let me try this one. I feel like I'm actually kind of good at this. <laughs> I can talk really well. It's just Every, okay. Let's try. That's what you were saying, but all right. So you got the first. You got the first one. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Now I'm the hard doll. Choking guys. Now I'm the hard doll. Bell of the barnyard. Now I'm the hard doll. Hell of the barn saw. Saw. <laughs> saw. Dog. Nah. Hell of the barn hall. Time. No idea. <laughs> what was it? Bell of the barn ball. Okay. Dog, dude. Barn ball. So you got one of two. Okay. One of two so far. All right. Let's reset it. All right. Here we go. You ready? Here we go. All right. Very house are frequently broken. Marriage what? <laughs> vows are frequently broken. Marriage vows are frequently broken? Yes! Oh, All right! I don't like that one. No, that's a intense one, isn't it? <laughs> all right, so you got two of three. <laughs> good job, bro. All right, all right. Um, wow. Wow, indeed. Uh, sorry, bro. <laughs> I, feel like, uh, I feel like I'm good talking with those things in my mouth. Yeah, I mean, I basically understood what you're saying. <laughs> I know, you did really good, dude. So which side does he put? <laughs> this in? side goes in your mouth. Okay, so you put the... Larger side in, I think. Maybe I was doing it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Not control. Okay. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) That's how I looked. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. I think that's the worst part. You look really weird. Yeah. 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 (laughs) All right. Ready? Okay. Here we go. Edith likes mites. Edith likes mites. Uh, Likes. Bikes. Edith yeah, likes bikes. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Woo. One point for Andrew. Okay. All right. Just gotta close my eyes. I can't watch. Here we go. Ready? Go. I want blueberry pie. I want blueberry pie. Mm-hmm. Oh man. <laughs> yes. I think closing my eyes helps. Okay, Andrew. If you get this one, he's eating the beans. He's eating the beans. Mm-hmm. You're eating the nasty beans, right. bro. Here you go. If you win, you're I... taking the mug, the Reform Dad's mug. Home. Alright. Alright. I do it. I do it. Yeah. I do it. Here we go. Ready? Go. Cool hair. Cool hair. 
prophecies. Cooler hair. Prophecies. Cooler hair. Prophecies. Cooler hair. Prophecies. Cooler hair. Prophecies. I'm sticking with cooler. Cooler hair. Prophecies. Who hears prophecies? Horror. <laughs> okay, wait. So you guys are two to two. Okay. So we have to do a tiebreaker. Can they answer with it in their mouth, too? Ah. <laughs> ah. Oh, there we go. Okay. Hold her there, Hold her Okay, what's the tiebreaker? The tiebreaker. Okay. One question. One question each. One more. Go one more. Okay. I really right. hurt myself this last time. Yeah, that's, uh, here, cut the deck and... Cut the deck, dude. Yeah. Oops, sorry. There. Okay. So, guard. <laughs> All right, here we go. Ready? Go. I got hired from the toy land. <laughs> I got tired from the toy land? I got hired from the toy land. I got tired from the toy band. <laughs> I got hired from the Holy Land. I got tires from the Holy Land? Those are good tires. I got fired from the Holy Hand. I got fires from the Holy Hand. <laughs> I got hired from the Holy Hand. Time. Ah. All right. <laughs> Fired from the boy band, of course. Got <laughs> tired from the Holy Land. <laughs> All right. That was so good. All right. I'm sure Andrew My can't see this. All right, I want you Andrew, if you get this, you win. Here we go. Okay. Humble pie, lickety split. Humble pie, lickety split. Humble pie, lickety split. Humble. Oh, hi. Click like on. Like I'm talking to a corpse. He's <laughs> <laughs> trying to like. Oh, hi. Lickety split. How high lickety split? Uh. Oh, hi. Lickety split. <laughs> Humble high lickety split. Oh, hi. Time. Dang. All right, that we got it. Fast you know what? It's in the world. <laughs> Fumble pie lickety split. You All were right. very close the first one. Oh. <laughs> we're gonna solve this. How every good person should solve this. We're gonna cast lots. No. <laughs> uh, we're doing rock, paper, scissors. Okay. Here we go. Let me move this out of I the way. I had a feeling it was gonna be rock, paper, scissors. Alright. Here okay. we go. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, snap. What is that? Paper. Oh, okay. <laughs> Andrew is the victor. Yes, you're eating some gross beans, bro. I can't wait. All right. It's such a psychological game, rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> I love is. it. Dude, I destroy Marley and rock, paper, yeah. scissors. Sorry, man. All good. Yeah, All good. You guys hold we'll on to those. Yeah, we'll, we'll wash those at the end. Yeah. So, now what we have for the penalty, bean boozled, terrible jelly beans. So, let me just read you off some of the delicious flavors that we have. You can either have peach or barf. You can have tutti fruity or stinky socks, coconut or spoiled milk, mm. toasted marshmallow or stink bug, chocolate pudding or canned dog food, butter, buttered popcorn or rotten egg, mm. juicy pear or booger, yeah. strawberry banana smoothie or dead fish, 
blueberry or toothpaste flavored, and finally, birthday cake or dirty dishwater. You are going to spin this wheel, and you'll have to eat three terrible jelly beans. You cannot spit them out. You have to swallow them, and you can't. You have to chew them up as well. You can't just swallow it down. So Andrew, I don't know. Let's see. I'll I'll hold, and I'll let you spin, Jesse, since you are the uh, loser of the game. Let's. uh, That that works. Yeah. That work. All right. Oh, sorry. My let me go to the corners. False architecture in the. There we go. Looks like we either have chocolate pudding or canned dog food. <laughs> it's all black, all black bean bro. or brownish. This like yep. one of these. Yep. Okay. Is this gonna be the best? Oh, yeah, yeah. Alright. I just hope we get toothpaste last, that's the only thing. <laughs> so which one is it? You got the chocolate. Chocolate pudding or canned dog food? Can't do I mean, that doesn't taste like dog food. I think you got chocolate pudding. Oh, you're yeah. so lucky. Oh, dude. man. Right. <sighs> chocolate pudding. He's, he dodges the bullet. Dodge the bullet with that one. All right. All right. Jelly bean number two whenever you're ready. Mm. Should we make him wash out his pal- palate? Oh, now is it dog foodie? I can't. No, no. It's good. It's just I'm stuck. stuck in my teeth. Yeah, I'm oh, perfect. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, can't get worse. Chocolate. Or can't right? get better or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> It looks like we either have strawberry banana smoothie or dead fish. Ooh. Dead fish. So it's like a peach with red speckles. Uh, wow. Man, close. just these beans smell bad. I think it's, yeah, it's one of the lighter ones. Okay. Oh, like this? Yes. Okay. Hold it up for us. Show the, show the camera what we got here. It could be the bean of death. Rotten fish? Yeah, let's do it, bro. Oh, yeah. right. Dead fish. Oh, dead fish. Chocolate okay. and dead fish. Let's see how it mixes. I mean, I've for never a fish eaten to live be rotten, fish, it's got to die, right? Yeah. It's like eating a fish fart. What was the other one? Uh, strawberry banana smoothie, or there's one that's either peach or barf. Okay. No, that's that's definitely the good one. Ah, yeah. two for two. Right. He's a winner now. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> he's eating the good one. Jelly beans just, for just good. Just eating jelly beans. It's all <laughs> good. <laughs> all right. One final spin. All right. Get a bad one. Try to try do it again. Do it again. Okay. We'll get a decent spin. All right. So it's either butter popcorn or rotten egg. Oh gosh. This and that's the uh, yellowish white one here. Okay. All right. Hold it up for us. This is uh, this is probably where my luck runs out, to be honest. But here we go. Buttery popcorn. All right, it's buttery popcorn. Ah, three for yes. three. <laughs> no, I have the worst taste buds of all time. <laughs> I think I did right. pretty well in that game. <laughs> wow. Well, no penalty for you yeah. on this loss then. I'll take it. Right. It's all right. <laughs> Dang. Man, I really wanted you to get a nasty one. <laughs> I'm like sitting here, Lord, give him barf, Lord, give wow. him barf. Imprecatory, Imprecatory prayers. Imprecatory prayers. Perfect. <laughs> well, Jesse, thanks for coming on our show. That'll be all from Reformed Dads. But as we always say, comb out your beard in the way that it should grow, and when it is long, it will not depart from it. Hmm. Thanks for tuning in.